Hi everyone, this is Leslie. And this is B. And you're listening to Getting Shitfaced, a podcast where two friends across the country from each other get together over drinks and talk about our favorite show, Shit's Creek. This week, in our final episode, we are discussing the documentary Best Wishes, Warmest Regards, A Shit's Creek Farewell. B has the crying going over there. <laughs> Listen, I just want to make a clarification on what you just said. <laughs> This doesn't have to be our final episode. <laughs> All that needs to happen is Dan needs to write more Shit's Creek. And we will promise to make more of this podcast. So it's on him at this point. It's true. But the crying is just happening over here for multiple reasons. <laughs> <laughs> just 2020 crying. All day, every day. Feels like the appropriate mood at this point. Mm -hmm. Yep. I went to a, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a webinar. <laughs> it was called like handling election stress. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you don't. That's the takeaway. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten invited to a few lately about helping students deal with <laughs> post-election stress. <laughs> And political unrest. That's the other. Political <laughs> like, unrest. Thanks. That's what I needed in my life was to think uh -huh. more about political unrest. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Well, the takeaway from this thing was that you should just name your feelings. So I'm very feeling very anxious about paying attention to stress. So I'll stop and just talk about the show. Except our podcast is over. So <laughs> <laughs> just taking away all the stress relief at once. <laughs> Um, how are you doing, Leslie? <laughs> About the same. I, I will say the one, like, bright spot is the World Series was this week. The Dodgers mm -hmm. won, so that was nice. 2020 said you can have a little something nice. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, about the same. <laughs> well, I'm a Cubs fan, so that didn't help me, so. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, technically I'm a Rockies fan, but they weren't in the postseason, so, you know, you root for who you root for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say as a Cubs fan, I'm used to rooting who's actually in the <laughs> World Series, because they aren't. This is true. Yep. So, I guess we should recap what we watched, but I have a problem with that. <laughs> because all I wrote for our recap was crying a lot, <laughs> and Amy Seagal, this is fucking rude. <laughs> I mean, that pretty accurately sums it up. <laughs> So the documentary is about the behind the scenes of the last season of the show. It gives you some insider baseball about when they cast everybody, the phenomenal rise of the show. But then they really just hammer it into your <laughs> brains that they're very sad for it to be over. Yeah. And there's a lot of close-ups of crying. <laughs> yeah, Watching them cry is just a guaranteed way to make me cry. <laughs> right. It, I think it helped that Amy was their friend yeah. uh, to get maximum levels of crying <laughs> and being able to get like right in there for the crying. So A plus documentary. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. So for this week's drink, we are doing a fitting goodbye sort of drink. Um, and this week's, I'll have to give you the recipe. We'll put it in the show notes because B actually found this one on the back of a bottle and it's not just online somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. It is called The Rose's Sunset. 
And to make this one in a pitcher, you combine one and a half cups of orange juice, a couple of tablespoons of lime juice, and a tablespoon of sugar. Stir it up until the sugar's dissolved. Now, this was a non-alcoholic recipe originally, so we suggest <laughs> that you then pour that into your glasses and then fill them with as much of whatever kind of liquor you would like. And as much of it as you need to get through watching the documentary. Um, I would recommend tequila. I think that's probably the classic way to go. Make mm -hmm. it sort of a tequila sunrise. And then you top it off with pouring in a teaspoon of grenadine into each glass. And you've got a lovely little sunset and a glass. It was very pretty. I would recommend two things. Number one, a clear alcohol so you can get the sunset. Because it does right. make a, the sunsets in your drink. Right. Also, like, bourbon and orange juice, not not really my, my kind of combo. <laughs> no, but you want something because it literally will set in the sun. Um, so it's very fun. Um, and I went with vodka. I mean, that is basically a screwdriver, too. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite out of all the drinks we've made on this show? I do. I think it's been fun to make all the drinks. And, like, I feel like I've become a better cocktail maker mm -hmm. um but my favorite one both in taste and just in general was the just rosemary <gasps> that was a good one that was a really good one it was good number one but also i loved how we it was during the height of quarantine and uh -huh. we had to like we like planned for it every week so <laughs> we when, we, when we went to the grocery store they were like oh we have rosemary you can get it <laughs> yeah there was a lot of like scrapping and saving to get that drink to come together when it yeah. did <laughs> And then we did a Instagram live for it. So I, I enjoyed that one. Do you have a favorite one? Um, I think just based on, in terms of like the flavor of the drink, my favorite was probably the high five, which was with yes. gin and Aperol and grapefruit juice and lime juice. It was like a little sour, a little herby. It was very good. Yep. It's one I would definitely drink a lot more often. Should we talk about this documentary and not just talk about how we cried through it? <laughs> Yeah, let's actually talk about some content. Um, we open on a man snoring in bed. No. <laughs> it is one of those things that I think sort of slaps you in the face. Like, oh no, we're doing the thing. <laughs> we're doing the thing. You're sad already. <laughs> Don't make me watch Dan brush his teeth. For some reason, that's very depressing. <laughs> I know. Oh, I will say one of my like little tidbits of this is that I loved that you got, so there's an Instagram story of Dan and Noah coming in mm -hmm. on that last day yeah. from someone and the documentary crew is following him. And so I love that you get the other side of that uh -huh. Instagram story, um, which seems much, much sadder. <laughs> yeah. I do remember though, when that story popped up, I think it was Anastasia who posted it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, we all saw the camera crew following them. Oh, we yeah. like, no! <laughs> Like, I want it, but I absolutely do not. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't want it, but I want it so much. So that's, I guess, a good good documentary then. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, exactly. The non-sad part of this documentary, though, gets into kind of the backstory of the show, which I love hearing uh -huh. the story. I, I mean, if you kind of go back in time, <laughs> you know, if you have a couple of like a half an hour of your life that you want to sit around and go all the way back in Dan Levy's Instagram. Not that I've done that. You can find some pictures from the um, presentation pilot of the mm -hmm. series. Um, 
so it was kind of like this little hints of the show before they ever actually did the show and i had seen those but this kind of gives you more of that look at how they created the show Mm -hmm. and brought these people in and so i love that a deeper dive into that and all the weirdness (laughs) of that look (laughs) yeah Yeah, there's there's a couple of shots in the documentary itself of the presentation pilot but there's also some pictures floating around on the internet Mm -hmm. both on dan's instagram and elsewhere um and it's it's so interesting to see them before they really became who they were and before they had a budget right. and all of that um obviously they talk about the fact that they had to get Catherine on board mm-hmm. with doing a longer series and thank god they did um but some other things that i think are so interesting about that presentation pilot for one there's david's look is a little more hipster <laughs> i would say i have two favorite parts of that <laughs> no three <laughs> <laughs> number one David is wearing Dan's ridiculous glasses from MTV. Yes. (laughs) The like really big chunky. Like if you think Dan has like thick glasses now, those are like care, like a cartoon version. Uh, The scarf. The scarf. The scarf is ridiculous. (laughs) Like blanket scarf, uh, which is the largest scarf you've ever seen. And then there's a picture. I think the picture is on his Instagram of him with sunglasses and he has, what I can only think at the moment is an ascot on. <laughs> yes. It's such an interesting take on David. And I can see kind of where he may have started with that image mm-hmm. in mind and then morphed into the David that we know. Uh, but it is really interesting to see that actually on screen in some way. And be like, wow, that, that could be what we could have had. Yeah. <laughs> could have been a, yeah. just a little different, but very different at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy with the David I got. but. Yes. I wonder about that David out there in the world. I'm sure we would have loved him too. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, he's like a alternate universe David out there. Just he has like a bookstore about maps. <laughs> so basically, Hugh Grant's character in Notting Hill. <laughs> no, like a really pretentious version of that. <laughs> Rose, mappery, <laughs> cartography. <laughs> That dude would not know what the right word was. That's why I went with Mappery, okay? Other things that are super interesting about it, the cast hadn't been fully formed at that point, of course. It's just the presentation pilot. Um, that isn't the point to have solidified everyone yet. But Abby Elliott was playing Alexis at that point, uh, which is Chris Elliott's daughter. She was on Saturday Night Live, if you don't really know her. I think she would have been a pretty good Alexis, but definitely mm-hmm. a different Alexis than Annie yep. is. Um, there are... We don't see it in the documentary, but there are pictures where Martin Mull seems to be playing Ray, Mm -hmm. is my guess. Yeah, I'm always like, who? Who are you? There's a Bob situation that I'm confused about. Twyla is sort of this alternate universe, sadder version of Twyla. (laughs) Still played by Sarah, but very different. Yeah, just a, a very different show than what we ultimately got, I think. Someday, I don't think they'll ever let that see the light of day, no, but... No. But it would be fascinating to watch. <laughs> it would be. I think recently someone asked Dan about that, and he was like, oh, I don't know where that is. <laughs> like, you 100% had that under lock and key. Yeah. I mean, obviously they had clips of it for the documentary, right. yeah. so <laughs> it exists somewhere. Amy, if you want to be bribed, <laughs> just let us know. <laughs> Bizarro, Bizarro Shits Creek. 
Shoots Creek is what it's called. <laughs> Shoots Creek. But we do get to see the origin stories of all of our faves, which I love. Me too. We get to see their auditions, which was great. I love auditions. seeing all of them so little. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it's like they're little, but like, like Noah's is like two years before. We're <laughs> right. like, they're so little. It's funny, though, how much all of them really did change over the course of filming the show. I think Emily in particular. I was really struck when I look back and she looks so much younger. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't look older in a bad way. No, no. (laughs) No. But she looks like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, I also love that, like, seeing them, like, their characters are there, but, like, they're kind of feeling their way into Mm -hmm. them. Um. So they're very, like, fresh-faced versions of them. Yeah. I love how much, though, you can see that, like, they had the thing that made them them, right? Right. It wasn't like they, in those auditions, they were some other version of the character. They were just not a fully formed version of them yet. And you can see a little bit of, you know, Alexis's tics, like, physical tics in Annie's audition. And Dustin's sort of never-ending positivity as Ted. (laughs) It's great nerd patrick just shows right up (laughs) doesn't have a pen in his pocket in the future but that was an acting choice (laughs) but i do i love seeing just them come into these characters and kind of where they went with them right oh that's lovely i love uh jen's like Uh she's like has a paper as like the dorito casserole (laughs) um and karen smoking a cigarette (laughs) She's smoking a pen. Um, Yeah, and you can see just how much the characters were shaped by the people who took the roles, you know? And obviously, like, on paper, they were the same character no matter who auditioned, but they live and breathe because of these actors. Yeah, and I think that that, too, is a testament to the writers on the show that I I think you do see this a lot in good written shows that there's pieces of those real people in each of the characters because that's like the them that makes them why you want them here. Right. <laughs> a lot of shows will just like ax that and then you get very two-dimensional characters. But I think the shows that really bring to life characters kind of pull in pieces of the real people. Mm-hmm. Not that they become that person, but right. they, they know what they want out of it and let that breathe and then we just go into a season six how it gets made first days of shooting i loved how they were just always like this is the last first yes (laughs) which is always funny because i feel like that's very like senior year of high school or college Uh you're like this Uh is our last one (laughs) um so they're taking those little trips but I loved also seeing like just the behind the scenes of shooting and like their first day was like not the first scene. I mean, people always for some reason think shows get filmed in order. Right. And they do not. They film on a block schedule, which means they're going to, in this case, they're going to do all the studio scenes first. They're going mm-hmm. to arrange those based on generally location and the actors involved in them. 
it's what involves the least amount of work possible honestly like you don't want to have to keep moving cameras to new sets and relighting new sets and you don't want to bring in actors who are going to sit around all day because they don't have any scenes until the afternoon and so it's all about logistics and you plan it that way it does not run with the first scene being the first thing you film this (laughs) show is not taped in front of a live studio audience (laughs) so they will not be doing this in order even in the location in orders right but i loved kind of seeing how they built those scenes and also getting to watch the writers in the writers room build out the show yeah the writers room portion i think is particularly interesting because the bit that they show us is when they're still in their like idea forming period for the season they aren't actually writing it yet um, and we do get a glimpse at the wall of ideas behind them. And there are lots of really interesting things there that we don't ultimately get in season six. Right. Um, that I think are worth spending a few minutes on. Because <laughs> yep. there's there's some some very different ideas and some that oh, yeah. it's just like, oh, that's kind of, I would like to see that. And, yeah. And then a lot of them you're like, I'm glad you didn't do that. <laughs> right. Right. But there are, there are, you can see the shape of the season in it, but there are a lot of pieces of it that are very different um for instance it's in their ideas it started with johnny taking the family on a road trip to celebrate alexis leaving and david's engagement instead of having a barbecue would they all just pile into the car <laughs> yeah like how far of a road trip um i have a lot of questions about this I know. <laughs> <laughs> are they going to go like far enough they have to stay in another motel motel <laughs> Does Patrick go? Does they all just squeeze everyone into the back seat? What's happening here? <laughs> Definitely happy that the barbecue happened. <laughs> A little simpler. <laughs> makes more sense uh other ones that we definitely don't see play out uh moira gets offered the crows trilogy and negotiates her contract so i don't know if that's acting directing doesn't really say um twyla as alexis's assistant uh david and stevie take a course of some kind alexis runs a speakeasy out of the apothecary (laughs) i really really want to see that one (laughs) In my head, David and Patrick do not know that that's why it's called a speakeasy, because she's doing it without them knowing. I hope she's in the back room and you have to have a password to get back there. Yes, exactly. This is what I'm hoping. Uh, Moira's memoirs, Moira's hometown, Moira Rose statue is another one. Uh, Final Jazzigal show. There's a card somewhere in there that says Mutt has A, and then I can't read whatever's after it, and I don't know why Mutt was involved, but okay. Oh, yeah. Mutt has a all into a ditch, is what it says. <laughs> Mutt has a funeral. <laughs> uh, David gets cold feet, which I was like, oh, that's an interesting way they could have gone. Um, yeah. But the one that I think is perhaps the most interesting in terms of what we did get in this season is... David and Patrick get a subletter, and then there's one that says Johnny and Moira navigate Patrick moving into the motel. Yeah. And I think in the first half of the season, mm-hmm. we get those things about Patrick's car. And yeah, it makes me wonder if this particular part of the plotline wasn't cut until fairly far along in the process, and so they had already started filming some of those earlier scenes. Yeah, like Patrick they need money like those kinds of things kind of disappear in the plot of the series in this season and so it's interesting i also like what they turned that into like patrick staying at the motel for a night Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, I like that with all these, all there's like little hints where you can see like, oh, I see where you went instead. Right, right. Some of these. Um, but yeah, thinking about Patrick. I was like, does Patrick move in with them? Does Patrick get his own room? Oh, right. Does he have his own room? Now they're like three rooms permanently used at the motel. <laughs> or does David and Patrick just share a twin bed for a while? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Uh, I would like to know more about how that was going to go. But yeah, you're right. It is like there are these sort of money trouble pieces in the first half mm-hmm. that slowly disappear over time and morph yeah. these pieces into other things. Yeah. yeah. Um, or like, I like that the Moira getting offered something big and negotiating out contract kind of became the Sunrise Bay and Interflux. Right. Um well, and like the final Jazzigal show obviously becomes the fact that the Jazzigals perform at the wedding. And yeah, it's interesting to see the the first ideas and how it ultimately took shape. Yeah. I also think it's interesting because I think when this kind of came out, some people were like, well, they like these were never like fully formed ideas, probably, too. Like, right. I think people think like they <laughs> they cut something, which they cut it in the idea phase of it. This was never. Right. They didn't write full scripts of this. No, none of these are full scripts. It was interesting to see, like, they're just, like, brainstorming ideas. Yeah. And what game, so. And some of them, like, clearly were brainstorming, like, Moira's memoirs. It doesn't have right. any context to it. It's not Moira writing her memoirs. It just is literally an idea stuck up on a board at that point. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is, like, which Dan had said, like, some of it was things they had maybe mentioned mm-hmm. in the past that they'd never answered those questions. Do they bring them back? Right. Um, and I know like Moira's backstory was kind of hinted at through the series, but never really fleshed out. So it's like these little ideas, but nobody go looking for there to be like, there's no like deleted scenes of any of this. This was all just like a index card <laughs> right. on a wall. It eventually turned into the actual season they shot. So but still yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think that my favorite non-crying part of the documentary is when they talk about fashion because I just loved watching them do the fittings. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we would be the people who would appreciate that. But <laughs> I love the whole entire process. I want like a whole like masterclass of like how this works down to like links to the consignment sales you went to. <laughs> It was. It's very fun to seeing Dan be like so proud of stretching the budget the way that they always right. talk about. If you like, I found this for just three hundred dollars, you know, because that's what we do. Right. That's definitely what we do. Did you know that I got this for? Because they spelled Givenchy wrong. <laughs> um, but it does make you wonder what your favorite favorites are favorites yeah i think i think we should do a look per season i think that that's fair yes so season one i am gonna go with moira's mcqueen dress that she's wearing in our cup runneth over which is the one with like the yarn stretched across um i think it's just it's sort of that first moment of really seeing who these people are and Moira mm-hmm. in particular, how much she does not fit into this town. And you can just tell from looking at that dress, like, oh, no, you people do not belong here. <laughs> yeah, that's like the point of the whole wardrobe of the show is like her, yeah. it becoming a character. 
Yeah. That's a good one. Season one for you? I tried to think of something really good. And this one, I just kind of went with my favorite sweater. It's fair. <laughs> uh, which is actually an ASOS sweater. Uh, it's the mohair with the stripe at the top um, mm. from Carl's Funeral and Honey and Honeymoon. Just, I want it. It's <laughs> a good sweater. It's a good sweater. It's also like 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to find it my size sometime. So. <laughs> Season two? I mean, my season two, like, how could you not pick the helmet lengths hoodie? <laughs> That's such a good one. Like, iconic, obviously. Ugh, that is a good one. I went with Alexis's Angelica Bloomfield dress yes. that she's wearing when she was pretending to be the lawyer on Lawn Signs. Because I think it's so interesting that at that point, you know, she's, it's like dress up, right? She's putting on her big girl right. clothes by borrowing Moira's to be taken seriously. Uh, but by the end of the show, you know, she's still herself and being taken seriously mm-hmm. as, yeah, you know, a businesswoman and everything. She doesn't have to change anymore. She didn't need her fashion pony. Yeah. <laughs> What's your season three? <sighs> season three was tough. Um, I ultimately went with the studded sweater, sweatshirt that David's wearing in general store. So it's sort of the end of prickly David. Oh, <laughs> it is. Oh, I mean, season three, there's so many, but I went with the Moira look, which was the Rafe Simmons, basically the garbage bag dress <laughs> from Sebastian Rain. I yeah. love that dress. I love that people recreate it with garbage bags at Halloween, uh-huh. but I also just love her look with it and with the shirt. Uh-huh. It just is such a good look yeah. of her in that field. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that, like, that's what she wore to meet Sebastian, there's just a lot happening there. I really like it. It's a good choice. Season four? Season four, Givenchy's flame sweater. (laughs) Obviously. Like, (laughs) that's such an easy choice. I know. It's such an easy choice, but there are so many good sweaters in season four. There are. I went with the McQueen Phoenix Paisley that he wears in R.I.P. Boyer's. Because I just am obsessed with that sweater. That's why I own it. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Um, what about season five? <laughs> Again, <laughs> we've just got like so many good things to choose I know. from. Um, ultimately, I think I have to go with the dress from the dress. Because it's just... How do, how do you go bigger than that, you know? <laughs> I know, you don't. You don't bigger than that one. I mean, one of us had to pick that. Right. And I feel like the other of us had to pick the Tower of Love sweater. Yeah, yeah. It's just, ugh. I love that sweater so much. I love it. It says so much. He wears it at the perfect moment. Like, yes. all of it. It just is at the perfect point. Um, but I want to give an extra credit okay. for season five, and that is the entire wardrobe from Cabaret. Like, yeah. they did such a good job with, like, putting that together, making it look like a community theater production, but also like really well done. Yeah. I'm giving extra credit. Yeah. That's a good one. What is your season six? Season six. So, you know, everything about the wedding is so tempting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, we'll take that out. Right. Like you almost have to disqualify it because it's its own thing. Right. Um, So I decided to go with the Reformation dress that Alexis wears in the last scene with Ted. 
It's just, it's so romantic. And the trail down the steps. Just heartbreaking. Like a heartbreaking choice. Yes. Ugh. And we already know what you're going to pick for season six, so just go ahead and tell us. Lots. <laughs> <laughs> season six, I picked an Alexander McQueen sweater with McQueen culottes. They're just great. I want them. I feel like I have given so much free publicity to culottes this year (laughs) that they should. If if only there hadn't been a pandemic, they would have made a comeback. (laughs) (sighs) They're just great. They are great. And I love David wiggling on them. (laughs) That makes it. So, yes. We also see, in addition to the fashion, and mm-hmm. how much that shapes the characters. We also see a nice segment of Moira and the wigs with Catherine uh-huh. trying on various ones and Anya and Lucky cracking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite wig? Okay. I'm going to get one out of the way because it's the wedding wig. Like, right. that is, everybody should say that one. But my favorite wig is the green wig. The mint green wig. It's so good. <laughs> It's so good. Even when I was watching, there's like a second of her in that, and I just saw it, and I was like, oh, so good. Yes. I don't know what it is about that particular wig, but it is perfect. I know it's not even like at a huge moment or any, like, it's just, she looks fabulous in it. She so. looks incredible. Yeah. Yeah. By far. The best wig. Glad we can agree. I know. <laughs> um, and then the documentary kind of jumps her into like, what the show means to people. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it means anything to us. <laughs> we haven't spent 40 episodes talking about what it means to 41. us. Or <laughs> 41 plus too many episodes. Um <laughs> no. And I love to like look at the up close and personal tours because it's such a interesting thing they do as a cast and all the celebrities that are like there, but like just how people Everyone loves the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those that it's, I mean, there are definitely people who get into, you know, season one or whatever and are like, yeah, oh, I don't like this and then stop watching it. But there aren't too many people who you see make it through the full show and not right. enjoy it. You never make it all the way through. And it was like, oh, that was all right. <laughs> right. That was entertaining. Like I love, I watch a lot of things where I'm going to get to the end. And I'm like, well, that was entertaining. Right. I feel like you just become a diehard fan of the show. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> I really like seeing also the up close and personal portion. Obviously, we have both been to mm-hmm. up close and personal shows. Um, Still got tickets for one that may happen. In the- that's what I was going to say. Like, it's watching it this time made me particularly sad that they haven't been able to do the farewell tour Mm -hmm. and i still don't know if it will ever actually happen i know we haven't been refunded for it so technically it could still be rescheduled but like the longer time goes on are they logistically going to be able to make that happen i don't know but like i want that for them because you get to see that look of just like all these people there to cheer for them and love on this thing that they made i also think that they love it so much like I think that in a lot of cases, like I would have, we would have already been refunded money, but I think that they are also like, oh, I really hope we can do it. Right. <laughs> like, I think they're waiting because like no one I know has asked for a refund because they're all like, it's going to happen. Because like, it's <laughs> such a happy experience for everyone that I think from nine time Emmy award winning, gazillion <laughs> award winning people to the person that just found the show like really wants to go to that <laughs> um, yeah 
And so they're just really fun to go to. If you've never been to one, you gotta go. Yeah, if they manage to make the farewell tour happen, and you're you're a fan of the show, get yourself there because it's it's kind of a magical experience to be in a room with them and with mm-hmm. people who just love the show as much as you do. Yeah. Um, honestly, like I mean, I went to four of them, <laughs> and <laughs> they talk about the same basic things in yeah. all of them. You hear the same. It's like fairly scripted. Yeah. I mean, the farewell tour may be different. We don't really know. Uh, yeah. But, like, they talk about the same basic things each time. And I would have gone 20 more times. <laughs> because just being there and seeing them, like, take yeah. delight in sharing these stories with one another once again. Yeah. They're always having fun. I've only been to one, but I'm not sure I could ever top the one that I went to. So True. <laughs> but I'm going to the farewell tour, so don't. But yeah. I'm saying here and, here and now, if Leslie doesn't get to play trivia... <laughs> As the national <laughs> trivia champion of Shit's Creek. It will be a travesty. I tried so hard. The last one I went to, the girl next to me got picked for trivia by uh, Annie and then didn't know the answer to the question they asked her. And I was yeah. so mad. I beat their asses. So <laughs> Everybody loves the show, including Cameron Crowe. Yeah, obviously a big fan. I love Cameron Crowe, so that made me so happy. Yeah. But I feel like Cameron Crowe is saying everything that I want to say about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people, like, there's very fluffy things you can say about the show, but I think people get really deep about why they love the show. But I think mm-hmm. the underlying thing for a lot of people is the happiness. And, like, Cameron Crowe talks about the joy of the show. Like, you can't, it means very obvious when you get it wrong right. as a show um, and how they get it right so well they do and it it's what's brought i mean there's a reason so many people are finding it during mm-hmm. quarantine is it is like a just a little burst of sunshine yeah and i love that he says that leslie had wrote this but i i literally been watching this while leslie wrote this and <laughs> i said I was going to go write that is that Cameron Crowe says like, it's the easiest thing to take for granted. And it's the hardest thing to get right in a show. Like, I think there's a lot of shows that try this and fail at it um, because they don't put the effort into it. Like I can think of like a few shows that ever get joy. Right. And you can really feel it like pushing daisies or the good place. I know, (laughs) but they're very joyful, joyful Uh shows. Even if the like premise isn't that. Yeah. And same here. I mean, the premise isn't a happy premise on the surface, but... And it doesn't start that way. They build towards that. Yeah, they earn it. Yeah, they earn it. Um, And I think that that... I think that's such a... (laughs) It's such a big thing that they don't let TV shows do. And I think, like, Pushing Daisies is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. Like, it is such a a joyful show, even with these, like, dark undertones. Uh And they kind of didn't let it go to its conclusion right yeah they they gave it two seasons and they were like that's it we're done yeah and it could have gone so many more places like they've actually yeah. put out like where they were going with it right um and so like when you get this perfect example of what you what letting a whole story be told does mm-hmm. it's such a big payoff because i think it is those people is. that you tell go back and keep watching like Someone had to tell that to me. Keep watching. But and then but then you know later on like I everybody I know that's done that has gone back then and rewatched season one and been like, Oh yeah, that's why. Yeah. 
it's such a credit to the networks for allowing Dan to run with his vision and trusting that he was moving in the right direction with it and giving him the the time and the money to be able to do that. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's the opposite of sort of the Netflix model of making television where they're like, you're going to get, you know, three seasons, probably max. And then they're just basically going to stop advertising it and cancel it um, because that doesn't bring in new subscribers. It's new content that brings in new subscribers. And so that's what Netflix like intentionally does. Except when Netflix intentionally buys the shows that are getting kicked off of other things, (laughs) which always cracks me up. (laughs) Um, But it doesn't necessarily ever do that to continue the story. They get it for like one season. Right, exactly. And then they're like, okay, we got our we got our followers out of that, so we can cancel yeah. it now. Um, and this is such a good argument against that kind of television making. Right. I also think it's a good argument against, like, must-see TV type, like, plotting of stories. Mm-hmm. Like, there are, like, yes, they do kind of lead up to the season finales, but, like, there's not, like, the sweeps week. Because right. Canadian doesn't have that uh so um they don't like put i think a lot of shows they end up with this like drama for drama's sake even in comedy because Mm -hmm. they want to like sweeps week you and like just tell a good story right (laughs) that's all we need yeah i mean there are gonna be emotional high points and low points along the way if you're telling it right right um so just naturally lean into those don't do something for the sake of it right I mean, the only thing they ever did for the sake of whatever was a Christmas episode, but even then, more joyful TV, because now I don't have anything <laughs> to watch in that category, and I've been watching, like, documentaries on cults instead. <laughs> Not the year for that. <laughs> don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Oddly enough, I either need very joyful TV or cult TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> not in between. Anyone has recommendations on either of those ends let me know uh anyway leslie you gotta you gotta do it give me your top five episodes i mean since we're talking about joy like (laughs) these are episodes i think that all bring me a lot of joy Uh um my top five i would say are uh meet the parents open mic grad night happy anniversary and happy ending Oh my gosh. We have almost the same ones. I know. We have very similar lists. <laughs> I and I did not even pick the happy ending because I was just like, it's the end. <laughs> it's such a happy episode, though. <laughs> I know. And then I almost went with the second to last episode. But I just love the, the one difference that Leslie and I have. So I have grad night, happy anniversary, open mic night, and meet the parents is my favorite episode. Just FYI. <laughs> But I also included Moira Rose. I just love that episode. <laughs> that definitely makes my top ten. It just didn't quite yeah. make the top five. I just love those dumb drunk roses and I love <laughs> the Johnny and Patrick. And Alexis is is gonna join a cult. <laughs> a cult. <laughs> just cult TV guys. <laughs> I'd also like to say that Dan Levy got the storyline for that episode based on the cult that I've been watching a documentary on. So it all just comes around. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make you narrow things down further, though. Because <laughs> you know we got to do favorite lines. We have uh-huh. every week. And I know you have difficulty picking 
lines, yeah. but <laughs> in theory, I would like you to choose two lines. One can be funny, and one can be sentimental. I have five. <laughs> You're such an asshole. <laughs> Who doesn't know is she told me to take one out. I only had four, but then when she went away, I put one back. <laughs> okay, here we go. She's gonna cut them out. <laughs> You're gonna get no lines in the final no version of it. I just wrote my favorite. My favorite line is the show. Um, my funny lines are "Let the nuns take care of the little stranger." <laughs> uh, do we need to file for divorce if we were never married? <laughs> Come on, that's great. Uh, and then I could—I just couldn't, Leslie. I couldn't take it away. I couldn't take Johnny away saying, talk to the hand, son, because the ears are no longer working. <laughs> because I love them all. And I love that none of those are, seem very funny unless you have the actual delivery of them from uh-huh. the people. Yeah. Um, but I do only have two sentimental ones because you made me. I mean, in theory, I would have made you choose one. <laughs> Um, number one, for a while I just had one and it was, it's called Shit's Creek and it's where we live because that's just such a pivotal moment of the show. It is, it is. And then come on, you're my Mariah Carey. That has to be a favorite line. <laughs> now, Leslie, what are your two? Because you played by the rules. <laughs> I did. I played by the rules and I narrowed it down <laughs> and I took out lots of lines that I love. <laughs> So that I could come up with two. Uh Um, And for a funny line, I don't even know if this made the cut when we were doing the episodes Uh originally. I'm not sure. Um, But it's a line that every time that I happen to rewatch this episode, I forget about it until it happens. And then it strikes me as hilarious all over again, Uh, which is in the thruple when Johnny says, I take it we'll be dining as a group tonight, or will you be taking turns? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it's so indicative of the kind of humor Mm -hmm. that's in the show, where it's not really making fun of people. um, It's more the situation. And so in this case, like, Johnny is aware that there's, like, a thruple situation happening here. But he's not really even judging David for it. He's just asking about, like, the mechanics and doesn't want to (laughs) be... Right. It's slightly awkward dad humor. It, like it just captures so many different things about the types of humor that the show yeah. does. So I thought that that was probably my favorite funny line. And on the sentimental side, I went with a line from "Start Spreading the News" when David says, "I just don't think I'm finished with this place." <laughs> and obviously, there's more to that line, but I uh-huh. think that particular part of it. Yeah. Like they didn't they didn't come to this town by choice. They didn't want to change and yet here he is saying there's more for me to get out of this. Yep. The first one of them to run away. There's just so much change that has happened to let him be able to say that. Oh. Leslie, don't you want one more line? No. <laughs> I narrowed it down to my two. Those are my two. Fine. <laughs> I mean, I won't bring up the other ones. <laughs> you have a list of like 20. <laughs> okay, the m- whole scene about mail is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. So I, <laughs> look, I just snuck in another line for you. Uh, speaking of crying, <laughs> that end of that documentary is just fucking rude. <laughs> it's like 
the last 10 minutes or whatever just non-stop punching you in the face <laughs> punching you in the face with like love and emotion <laughs> there's crying from the tv there's crying from you <laughs> i just you could just see how much they cared about each other and how much they care about the show and it's just a lot yeah and then you just no one like i love that <laughs> they're in the middle when they talk they're showing the the breakup scene between ted and alexis and annie yeah. says if <laughs> eugene lovey cries then basically everybody cries and i feel like at the end if dan levy cries then everybody cries because <laughs> it's just like just the tears well up and you're like oh god don't do it <laughs> it's too much it's too much yeah yeah between the table read the final raps the them like in their separate talking heads where they're talking about the impact of the show for themselves and yeah. what they're gonna miss and dan walking through the sets by himself that one shot and there's just so much happening there that's just designed to be yeah. like cry Fuck you. you're going to cry and then they put to build a home over the whole oh, thing yeah. which makes it even worse She's like <laughs> i just see amy like laughing <laughs> maniacally close up on those tears cue the song <laughs> The part that makes me cry the most, though, is the final rap on Dan and Annie. When they're just hysterically sobbing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot. In particular, I always crack at the moment where Dan in his talking head says that he'll miss a lot. Oh, and yeah. his voice breaks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Don't do it. I feel like for a while, I had it on Amazon, and the Amazon picture for the documentary was kind of like right before that uh-huh <laughs> so if i opened it i'd be like don't watch it don't do it don't do it <laughs> you just always have to remind yourself that after this they went off and they went to italy and they were all happy it's okay it's true and then they're gonna go on and win nine emmys it's, it's gonna, gonna be fine nine emmys and they're all in canada happy and healthy right now living their non- quarantine lives up there <laughs> so i think the takeaway from this podcast is schitt's creek's a pretty good show and you should watch it if you haven't watched it i am shocked that you are still here listening to us <laughs> what are you doing go watch the show <laughs> well i think that's it <laughs> that is it unfortunately we have come to the end of schitt's creek we've literally run out of things to talk about <laughs> Les Leslie will tell you every one of my favorite lines. <laughs> we can make our own episode with those and edit it ourselves. Don't worry. Next week we'll actually... Next week starts B reading the transcripts of the episodes to you. <laughs> and then Leslie has her own separate podcast where she tries to explain the timeline. So. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to explain the timeline, it has to be on paper because there have to be like charts. <laughs> Well, Leslie's PowerPoint starts next week, so... <laughs> oh, well, we will still be around online, of course, so you can still check us out on Twitter and Instagram at ShitFacePod. And if you want to find us personally, you can find me on Twitter at LeslieTheBaker. And you can find me at Brandy and Indy on Twitter, or, changing it up, B and B-Town 
on Instagram, where I am much more recently because Twitter is a hellhole. Dumpster fire, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can still subscribe in case for some reason Dan ever makes more of the show and we can come back. Um, you can also still leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it will help more people to find the pod and they can continue to listen to it long after we are done here. It makes us sound like we're dying. <laughs> we are <laughs> we, we stop existing after this podcast wraps up and on that note and we will say goodbye and i think it's only appropriate if we say best wishes and warmest regards bye, bye. thank you bye.